0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This is our chatty show where you just kind of pour yourself a cup of tea or a cup of joe and pretend that you're sitting around the table with Denise and me as we talk about some issues connected to being an empath and an intuitive that have been on
1: our mind. So how have you been, Denise? It's been a lot of stressors lately, like out of the blue stressors. Um, all the stuff we dealt with a couple weeks ago with the technology and the website, which I just want to say thank you, thank you to everyone for their patience through that, and it just seems like there's been a lot of uh, little roller coaster rides lately for a lot of us, but we're coming out on the other side of that, and that's what's important.
0: Yes, I agree. Lots of unexpected extra stuff. We had a lovely hurricane come through our area, and luckily the damage wasn't bad at all, but Watching on the news what has happened in the Bahamas and other areas, I just ask that everyone stop each evening and send prayers of love, light, and healing to the people affected by that.
1: Yes, it was
0: much. intense. So, one of the things I wanted to start talking about was this interaction I had because I was home a lot more than normal with this hurricane going through. We lost power for about a day and I was was on my phone and I was going through Facebook and catching up with posts I haven't looked at in a long time. And one of my cousins on my dad's side posted an article that left-handed people are smarter and more creative and generally just better than all of you else. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just this wonderful article about what science is showing about left-handed people. And because I am a lefty, And, you know, throughout history, lefties were considered weird, of the devil, awful. I mean, teachers up until I think the mid-70s were instructed to retrain lefties to be right-handed. Right. So there's always been a lot of negative stuff associated with left-handed people. So this article was really positive. And my cousin wrote, like, something like, I'm so happy or proud to be a lefty. So I don't know the cousins on my dad's side of the family very well, but we are reconnecting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I just commented and said, oh my gosh, I thought I got their left-handedness from my mom's dad. I didn't know it was on that side of the family as well. Well, my other cousin, his sister, responded, yeah, not only that, you get your psychic stuff from our side of the family too. You know, Nana, who everyone called the Irish witch.
1: Wow.
0: I just stared at that comment and I was like, wait, what? Because I had always assumed, as had my mom, that I got it from her side of the family. I think I've shared on the show before that my mom is very psychic. Growing up, she would tell all of us girls that there's a little blue bird named Pedro who flies to school every day to watch on us, check over us. And then he flies back to my mom and reports to her everything we're doing. Wow. And Denise, I swear to God, I believed in this bluebird for like an unusually long time because I'd come home from school and my mom would know stuff. Mm -hmm. She would say, Petro told me you bought chocolate milk today and I specifically told you only white milk or Petro told me you didn't turn your homework in because you didn't do it last night when I told you to. So it took me a long time to wise up and figure out my mom is just kind of psychic and there's actually
1: not a bluebird following me around. But, but as a little kid, that would really, I, I would be looking all around for that bird. Oh, please, Denise, in high school, sometimes. If I was kissing my boyfriend
0: under the bleachers and I saw a bluebird, I'd be like, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I had to borrow my mother's car one time to come up to Maine. this was it was when I was first coming to school up here. And she said, you better keep it under the speed limit, because I'm going to know. And I said that to the friend that was driving up with me, I said, I can't, She's, why are you going so slow? I said, because it's my mother's car, and she'll know. And the, the person that was with me kind of made a joke, yeah, Denise, like, what, does she have a tracker on it or something? And this is back, way back before people did that kind of shit. And I really, in my heart, I knew she would know because she was that intuitive, but just in a different way. Like I, and no disrespect to my mother or to, to anyone else in spirit, but I sometimes she didn't always use it for the highest and best.
0: Right. <laughs> right. So There's good and bad to everything, including intuitive abilities. Maybe that. though, so I decided, like stuff,
1: because both our mothers are very, very Catholic. Both very intuitive. Oh.
0: Oh, no, no. That is a total belief of mine. I actually would love if I had any scientific bone in my body. I would love to do a study on that. I think if you look at all the famous psychics, they have a Catholic upbringing. John Edward, John Holland, Sylvia Brown, James Von Prague, uh, I think Gordon Smith, maybe he's Church of England. But I believe that because we Catholics are raised to believe that there are saints watching out for us and interceding for us, that there are guardian angels that mother Mary has returned several times and performed amazing miracles. I mean, making the sun jump, for example, among them, I think that opens up a young intuitive's mind to the possibility that this type of communication is possible and that, just being open to that enables us to make that link sometimes. So, I definitely think there's a connection.
1: So, you were, before we got on, you had mentioned that the connection between having an ancestral link to intuitiveness and that connection with being empathic.
0: Yeah, so I think that there really might be some type of a genetic link. I'm not sure if it's genetic or just ancestral. But what I decided to do after reading that comment on Facebook, I messaged my cousin privately and I said, I did not know that everyone called Nana the Irish witch. I have three daughters, as you know. They're all very intuitive. I would love to be able to tell them more stories about my dad's side of the family. Could you share with me, you know, more stories about Nana? Mm -hmm. Now, I have to explain. My grandmother was Irish. She married an Englishman. They had three kids. My dad went to like a really good college. All all the kids went to really good school. My dad's side of the family is wicked smart. Mm -hmm. My dad was going places, you know, and he comes home with this full-blooded Italian woman, no college degree, from the suburbs of Boston, Mm -hmm. and his parents kind of freaked out. Because, you know, you remember back then, Irish didn't like Italian, Italian didn't like lots of people. And so there was a (laughs) lot of bad blood there. (laughs) So we didn't see my dad's side of the family a whole lot growing up. I really didn't know my grandmother at all. I met her like three times. Now, I have seen her several times since she passed. On my dad's 70th birthday, for example... I probably have told this story before, but I put, they were all at my house for his birthday party. I put the cake in front of him with all the candles and I stepped back to watch him blow out the candles. As I'm watching my dad blow out the candles, I see his mother as as she was when I last saw her as a little kid standing behind him. And she, I, I, you know, very rarely do I see spirits with my physical eyes, Mm -hmm. but I saw her with my physical eyes and she held up five fingers, her whole five, you know, her whole hand. And she said, tell him to enjoy this. He has five good years left before the health stuff kicks in. Oh. And so I, I sat on that for a good long while. And then finally, about a year later, I shared it with my mom and she said, Well, Samantha, he'll be 75. Something's got to kick in.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I was like, okay, she's not worried. I guess I won't worry. Well, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you know, right at that time. So I've seen her a couple of times, always connected to my dad, never connected to me or my sisters or anyone else. She she only pops up for my dad. So anyway, I messaged this cousin, asked her to tell me stories about my nana, And she said, yeah, she said she was incredibly psychic. We just didn't really know what to call it. So everybody in the neighborhood called her the Irish witch. And she said, for example, one day when I was growing up, my brothers, sisters, and I were playing at the park down the road. And Nana called my mom and said, go get John. He just cut his lip on the swing and is bleeding. Mm -hmm. So my Nana's at her home in, you know, Farmington and, in New York and my aunt is, you know, 30 minutes away. So my aunt runs down to the park and sure enough, my cousin John had cut his lip on the swing and was bleeding. And my cousin was just sharing all these other stories. Uh, She told me a tragic story I did not know of. Her, Her best friend went missing when she was 12 years old. Nana came over to the house before the news was really even around town. And held my cousin's hands and said, they will find her, but it won't be good. And they found that little girl that night deceased. Wow. Yeah. So what was interesting, well, that was interesting enough, all those little stories she shared. My, my Nana was a very nervous, anxious woman. I used to ask my, my mom questions about her a lot. Like, how come we don't see Nana a lot? Or, you know, "Are we gonna, is she coming for Easter? And my mom would always say, oh, you don't want to really know her. She wrings her hands all the time. She's nervous. She, ang- she dotes on your father. It's, it'll drive you crazy. So I knew she was a nervous, anxious person. But my cousin said, we've all talked so much about it since she's passed. We think she was an intuitive empath and just didn't know it. But there weren't words for this. There was no... Phil Donahue, or Oprah Winfrey when she was growing up, or Dr. Phil, for, for people just to, you know, sit down and watch shows and learn and understand, or there were no books on meditation, yoga was for weirdos, and she said, I just don't think Nana knew how to deal with everything that she was feeling all the time, kind of made me sad.
1: But, but I do think, you're spot on, that the times were very different, and see, both of my parents were the youngest of big families, and they were both what would be would have been called late-in-life babies back in the, well, they were both born in the 30s, so both my grandmother on my mother's and my father's side had my mother and father when they were in their early 40s, which was unheard of at that time period, but my father was the very youngest of nine, and my mother was the youngest of five, so They grew up with older parents, but that meant that they passed really young. So I was two, I think, two or three when my mother's father passed, my father's mother passed, my other grandfather passed, my father's dad passed when I was maybe eight. And then the only grandparent I knew was my grandmother. So I think when you don't know that side of your family or you don't know your ancestral lineage on a personal basis, it leaves kind of a void, but it also, it makes you wonder. Because I've often wondered, I always have this small, very strong-willed woman show up a lot when I'm doing readings. And I know it's my grandmother on my dad's side, but I don't know her well enough to know the connection. Does that make any sense?
0: It definitely does. It definitely does. And I I think, There's a sadness there when we don't know those stories. And so if if any of you are young listening to this and have grandparents that are still around or great aunts and uncles, I think it's so important to ask those questions. To reach out and say, who was this person? You know, usually all we get is, well, they fought in the war. They served in the Air Force. They were a stay-at-home mom. They joined the lodge. But who were they? You know, what did they want to be? What did they hope for? What what were their actual stories? And I think we all need to ask those questions and really seek out that knowledge because it'll give us a better understanding of where we come from and, and who we are. And then it'll help us in turn to understand our parents. Like it made me understand my dad a lot more because a lot of listeners have emailed me, especially from my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, because I'm sure it sounds weird to them. I'll tell different stories. Like, my parents, they know I'm an intuitive medium. They know I do this for a living. They just don't talk about it. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of weird, and it kind of hurts my feelings. Like, I remember when I had my two CD's recorded years ago and I went to a recording studio and I was so excited to get it done. And I gave them each a copy. They never listened to it. They have never listened to one of my podcast episodes. They've never read an article I've written for BeliefNet. uh, never looked at any of my manuscripts. They just don't want to talk about this world that I do. And yet growing up, my dad would go in and out of this world. Like there, well, he, He's done yoga as long as I, you know, I mean, I've known him my whole life. Like he does yoga every single day. That's, that's just what I associate my dad with. Obviously, you know, he's almost 80. He doesn't, or he is 80 now. He doesn't do it anymore, but every single day, my dad would do yoga. He's always walked to the beach. He's always had a, con- a connection to the ocean and nature and being outside. But in the seventies, he was a vegetarian and he got really into meditation And that's when he taught my sisters and I to meditate and he did past life regressions on us. But then in the eighties, you know, he kind of just always went with the flow and he got really into that me, me, me era and was just working all the time. We didn't see him a whole lot in the eighties. He was just always traveling and working and, and focused on that in the nineties. He got a little bit more back into it. He got into Louise Hay and Emmett Fox and Wayne Dyer and, uh, my dad gave me a copy of The Course in Miracles when I was a junior or senior in high school. But he was always in and out of it. And it's interesting that he struggled so much with that. He was taught by the Jesuits all the way up through college. And he so he would always struggle with his Catholic faith. He, was, um, he taught my sister's CCD class, you know, for Catholics know what that is. It's the class you take to get ready to be confirmed in the Catholic Church. And the priest had to ask my dad to leave because his views were too liberal and (laughs) open-minded.
1: Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) So from everything you're describing, that really does confirm that lineage on your dad's side of the family, because, I mean, my father was an intuitive, he was a medium, he was a psychic, and as I think about it now, we didn't have the word empath to use, but he certainly was as far as how he sensed things and how he felt things. And I don't know if I've said this before, but it was always a joke that when my mother would be pregnant, my father would have to eat saltines before he could get out of bed in the morning because he'd, he'd be sick to his stomach when she had morning sickness, so I mean, if that's not a damn empath, I don't know what is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that exactly. Generation. We're we're talking a, a different planet as far as you know the the roles of men, of women, of people in general, of being strong, be stoic, don't wear your heart on your sleeve. I have so much respect for anyone in that generation that was as sensitive as we are now, because they didn't. Oh, have I no do For it.
0: No, no, and and I wonder. You know, from all that I've heard, my nana enjoyed a drink or three or four, and then my father went on to become an alcoholic. He's been in AA since 1986, hasn't had a drink since then. But I wonder, I mean, I i know alcoholism, addiction, they have found a genetic component to it. But I also wonder if for some people, it's more medicinal for shielding yourself from feeling everything, you know? Oh, I think I, so. I can remember I was, Five, I think I was five years old and I came in from playing outside and my mom and dad were sitting by the fire drinking hot toddies and my dad was crying. I, I've seen my dad cry like twice, once when his dad died and then this time. And I was like, daddy, what's wrong? And he said, well, Christmas is, you know, in four weeks and I have to fire a lot of people and it just really breaks my heart. And as a five-year-old, I remember looking at the fireplace and I said, you have to throw people in the fire. And then I started to cry. Right. And he was like, no, 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 I have to, they they can't work for us anymore. The numbers are down and the company wants them to know before they spend too much money on Christmas. So that's my job tomorrow and it's just weighing on my heart. And I've always remembered that moment because he really mourned having to do that. And there were so many times growing up, I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to work for the FBI. You know how when you're a kid, you just go everywhere with what you want to do for, the, for your career. And my dad, who always worked in the corporate world, he said, if I could do it all over Samantha, I would have a little cabin in the woods in Maine. I would teach English at a small college and I would read all the days of my life. Oh. And he said, so he said do not chase that almighty dollar it is not the answer to anything and when i when i started dating you know a cop from long island i was terrified because For all my, my dad is a lovely, wonderful man. They are both snobby as hell, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think, I think I told you, my dad literally would wear an Ascot and a smoking jacket on Saturdays around the house, like just very, very snobby. So I was terrified to bring home this cop from Long Island and they loved him. They embraced him. And I remember I had my uh, in-laws over for dinner and my parents over for dinner before, before we were even engaged. And my mother-in-law, Maggie, said to my parents, you know, have you talked to Samantha? Because Mike's not going to be able to provide for her the way you all did. And it's going to come as a shock. (laughs) And I remember, (laughs) and my dad said, again, he said, I have tried to raise Samantha with the knowledge that money is the answer to short-term problems, but not the answer to happiness.
1: That's a beautiful message.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So, but anyway, I just, sometimes i wondered, did my grandmother, did my father, did they drink because of a genetic issue? Or were they using alcohol to mask this hypersensitivity, this feeling of sensing everyone else's emotions and the weight of their worry and anxiety and stress? And they didn't know what to call it and they didn't know what to do with it. And then I wonder, did, well, does my dad kind of, choose to forget that his daughter works as an intuitive medium and still tells people I teach English at the college because he doesn't want me to be called the Irish witch like his mom was. That's an interesting
1: thought and it also yeah. it kind of explains the connection. You have a different relationship with your dad than your sisters do and it was kind of always right. I, I always thought well it's because you're the youngest or you were you were a quite you were there quite a bit by yourself because your sisters are significantly older and it was almost like being the only child but truly you're wired like your dad so and if his mom was that way i'm sure that he felt because and what i just got a flash of i haven't thought of this in years is i had gone home to visit i was still in college and I, I love doing crossword puzzles and word game. I just, I love, love, love doing them. It's good for my the other side of my brain. And I was sitting in the living room at my parents' house doing a, a crossword puzzle. And my father walked by and he just kind of smiled at me and he said, I said, I know, I'm just wasting time doing silly puzzles. He said, no. He said, my mother did that for hours on end, and it just brought her such peace. And he just kind of gave me this really, you know how when people look at you and they have a memory and a kind thought at the same time? And it really touched my heart because I had no stories connected with my, I didn't have many stories connected with my paternal grandmother, and it made me feel like there was a lineage and a connection there. So I I think that that's important to honor that, whether it's because of having an intuitive link or having a genetics are really fascinating, especially having two kids that are so diametrically different, but genetically they're full brothers. But if you met them, you'd be like, holy shit, that was a toss of the dice. (laughs) I think it's nice when kids are so different, though,
0: because first of all, I think it helps the siblings get along better when they're different, and then there's less risk of them being compared. But also, I think it just shows us as parents, it really is nurture and nature.
1: Yes, yes. And letting people be who they came here to be, not who you want them to be.
0: Right. Now, on my Psychic Teachers podcast, we had a sponsor one time, so I guess not a lot of people signed up with them. But I really loved them, and I was hoping they'd sponsor us again. It's called StoryWorth, and it, I think it's a good idea for anyone who's listening to this going, yeah, I'd like to know more about my family, too. It's this really cool company. You, I think it's like $79 for the year. It's a one-time fee, so that's not too bad. And you pick someone in your family, like a grandparent or a parent, and every week StoryWorth sends that person that you choose, the grandparent, say, they send them a question about their life, and it's anything. and you You can customize the questions, or you can let Storyworth pick them. But it's questions like, "What was your favorite toy growing up? What did you want to be when you were growing up? Who was your favorite teacher? What did you know? Uh, what were your favorite subjects? What was your first job? What was your first car? What did you think your life would look like when you were ten? As an adult, compared to what it looks like now, it was all these questions every week." That person has emailed a question, and they answer it. And then at the end of the year, Storyworth types it all up into a book. Oh, and the person that you choose, they can upload photographs to go along with all of the questions. Isn't
1: that a cool idea? That is. Once the people that hold the stories have passed, someone hasn't picked that up. It's really hard to. Right now downstairs, I have some pictures that. I really don't know who these people are and I have no one to ask anymore. And that's a weird feeling to think that this is lineage, this is someone this was an aunt, this was a brother, this was a son, and I don't know who these people are. And I'll find a way to figure it out, but it's just it's interesting. So I, I think that's a beautiful service. And and also if you don't know your lineage. So I, I have kind of mixed feelings about the whole DNA testing. I really do. I've seen some... I do too. This, and then I've seen some horrific situations from this. And, of course, I have to put on my tinfoil hat and think, oh, why why are they so hell-bent on... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. No, I'm um, right there with... You. So I have never done the genetic testing, but one of my sons, his his partner girlfriend gave him a genetic test for the holidays one year, and he did it. And it was, it was interesting because you, we can believe whatever we want, but there's all of the side roads that might have happened in the past that we have no idea about.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's important whether you
1: love your family or have mixed feelings about your family, they
0: are your family, and it does play a role into who you are today and why you are the way you are. And I do think it's important to walk that path at some point in your life, you know, when, when you're ready. It's not anything that I think should be forced upon some people because I think a lot of individuals have difficult families. And it's, it's hard sometimes to look at your family history and think, oh, I don't know that that speaks to who I am. You know, I like, for example, did you know that Hitler's living relatives are living in New Jersey?
1: No, I did not.
0: Yes, and they had to like change their last name because journalists and reporters come to them all the time. And I just, oh, that, that would be hard. Anyway, I just think it's a good idea to, to consider looking into all of that.
1: Okay, and I'm going to jump the fence again. I really think that this. Like for me, I know one of my big big things I came here to do was to break, break some cycles in my life, in my children's lives, like really start hitting the reset button and choose, making some very distinct choices not to follow in um, some family patterns for them, for myself. And I think a lot of us right now, we can still have a connection with our family or we can, but if you've taken the life lesson of needing to switch some things up this time around, please, please be gentle with yourself because that's big, big work, is if you're stepping away from, maybe um, you've come from a background where people may have been bigoted or limited or judgmental or whatever it might be, I'm just pulling that out of a hat, it doesn't mean you need to consider that, con- continue that because of your genetic link. And I think that's a huge, huge part of what we're all doing right now as far as stepping into who we came here to be and what we came here to do, and is to raise the vibration. And we can do that with honoring who we, where we came from, but also appreciating who we are now.
0: Yeah. And I think when you are breaking away from those patterns, you have to honor it within yourself without needing to explain it to your family yes. or have it validated by your family.
1: Exactly.
0: And I, I, that was a really hard lesson for me. You know, there are, I mean, there are some members of my family who don't understand what I do or why I do it and they'll often say, you know, doesn't the Catholic Church say that's kind of bad? Or, And I'll find myself defending it and going into a whole history ex- explanation. And, you know, at the end of the day, I had to realize certain members of my family, they wear their faith like a security blanket. It comforts them. They literally believe the world was created in six days, and they believe that the Bible is actually factual, that it wasn't interpreted through men, and that's their comfort, right. and who the hell am I to come in there with history, reason, and science and break that up for them? That's arrogant of me, you know, and so I have learned to just sit around the dinner table at the holidays and, and just kind of nod and say, yeah, I know, it's kind of crazy, right, but here I am. Can you pass the potatoes? <laughs> just kind of... <laughs> And I just kind of move forward. I'm the only person in my family who has different political views. And that can be difficult, especially in these times. And again, I've I've come to the realization that nobody gives a crap about your opinion, first of all. Mm -hmm. And I challenge anyone to tell me an individual who has had their mind changed based on someone's opinion. It doesn't happen. We only change our own opinions and beliefs based on experience and facts. And so, to sit around with family and debate an issue you're passionate about, it's just, it's just not going to help if you're transitioning away from family patterns.
1: I didn't just know we had own that. yourself
0: problem. within yourself.
1: My political. Oh, really? Polar opposite from my bio, from my family of origin. That is so interesting. Yeah, my and too. that's always been something I've kept very closed-lipped about because they are very passionate about their beliefs, and it was just like, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to walk into that lion's den.
0: No, I don't either. And and I think too because maybe because I'm a teacher, maybe because in my family the only way I got attention was from being smart but I can slip easily into a know-it-all tone Mm -hmm. and I have had to work on that. And so because I do have a lot of facts at my fingertips, I can very easily debate someone, but I don't know. I always walk away. Even if I win the debate, I walk away going, what the hell did you win? Like you just eviscerated their belief system. Oh, good for you.
1: Wow. Aren't you wonderful? Because, you know, I, look, I, at I look at that differently. I look at that that you would be trying to just bring more balance into it and say, look, there's another side to this. Not that you'd be attacking someone.
0: No, it's not that I'm attacking someone. But when I do get into that debate mode, I I know enough not to use my opinions. I know enough to use facts. And I have... a lot of facts at my disposal to support my opinions and I often will leave that other person going oh I didn't know that oh well and then they end up feeling kind of silly and I don't know it just never leaves me feeling good so instead I'll I'll just I'll, I just will either change the subject or I'll say things like um, one of my favorites, if they talk about, oh, well, you know, toxins and da-da-da-da-da, i will I'll say, well, Jesus said the poor would always be with us. And so maybe that was his way of saying we're supposed to help them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead of saying a bunch of facts that are going to make them feel like crap.
1: Right. Or stir the pie.
0: Okay. Or um. stir the pie. That's a better way of saying it. So anyway, that is my big revelation and story from this week. And I just thought it was interesting to learn that apparently psychic ability runs on both sides of my family. And now I'm going to include my Nana in more of my prayers than I normally do. I've been so focused on my mom's side of the family and, you know, praying for them and and their souls. But I'm I'm definitely going to include her. And I just do want to remind people who aren't intuitive, because sometimes, Denise, you and I forget that not everyone who listens to this show is (laughs) walking around going, yes, I'm highly clairvoyant. But if if you do include your deceased family members in your prayer, it does help them on their journey on the other side. Because just because you die doesn't mean you're like skipping with Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad and you know, everything's great and fine and happy, you're still learning and growing and and healing and processing on the other side. So when we include them in our prayers, it sends them extra beams of light that help them to move forward healthily on their journey. All right. So you had some pretty cool stories from some of the clients you've worked with this week. I'd love for you to share those.
1: Well, One of them, and you and I talk about signs we get all the time, and we'll share back and forth, oh, I asked for this sign, and this is how it showed up, and we'll be like, oh, my God, you have to pay attention to that. It's fun, and I do that with a couple dear friends, and I just love that because it's, it's our connection to divine and to spirit. So this lady I was talking to, and I absolutely, and you know how much I love animals and I love wildlife. So she had asked for this sign. She was trying to decide about a move, and she said, her sign, she said, well, show me a hawk if this is the direction I'm supposed to go in. And honest to God, she said she looked up and there was this little bird zipping across and there was a hawk following right behind it. And this was like right after she asked. And the the bird flew into her minivan. The back of her tailgate of her minivan was up. The bird flew into her tailgate. The hawk went into the minivan after it and sat on her dashboard and, and so she, the woman sent me a picture of this, of this hawk sitting on the dash of her car and I, that's what I said. I said, holy shit, you don't get a much better sign than that. And I have never heard of a hawk going into a vehicle for one thing, but then it would just sit there because the windows in the front, I believe were open as well because the bird must have gotten out. But the, the thing that she added though was that the vehicle was pointed, the place she wanted to move was just down the road a little bit and the vehicle was pointed in the direction of where she was thinking of moving to. And the hawk just sat there on the dashboard and waited. And I thought, oh, that's a good sign.
0: Wow. That's beyond a good sign. That is an
1: intense, powerful, in-your-face. Yes. Is this enough for you, lady sign? Yeah, you can't (laughs) ignore that one. Because we, I mean, we, again, we've chatted about this and with people that we, we do readings with and friends we talk with. Of we'll get the sign and then we'll say "Mm, yeah that was okay but maybe you need to show it to me again and we just keep testing and testing and testing instead of just taking it for what it is and that's that other side of our brains kicking in again but damn straight you cannot ignore that a hawk sitting on the dashboard
0: i thought wow that is powerful i love that i love that and didn't you have another cool story
1: I did. Well, this was more kind of a question story. I was talking with another woman and she was doing landscaping around her yard and she found a complete crystal, like clear crystal, quartz crystal grid around her whole like the the perimeter of her home and her property line. And it was very laid out and buried in. And she said, should I be worried about this? We took some of them out. Should I put them back? There's always been really weird energy in my house. And I said to her, I'm going to ask Samantha about this because she's our crystal lady, but also because she knows about the grids and and protecting property and stuff. And I just, I would love your input on that because I thought that was very interesting to find that. And she said it wasn't, she didn't feel bad about it. She was just concerned. Like, why was it there?
0: Yeah, that is so cool. So um, I have gridded my property with crystals. I do not recommend necessarily using clear quartz unless you have programmed or attuned them to do a certain job like protect your home. But the job of clear quartz is to amplify whatever energy is around it. So if you're an anxious person and you carry clear quartz without attuning it, you're going to be more anxious. If you're a calm, serene, chill person and you carry clear quartz, you're going to be more calm, chill, and serene. But if you live in a haunted house, for example, or just a house with a lot of intense weird energy and you have clear quartz gritting it, you know, that can't amplify it. Again, unless you have sit with each, sat with each of those individual crystal quartz and attuned them to ground, anchor, and protect that home in a loving vibration but I think it's always a good idea wherever you live to do a grid of crystals around. And and I think it's always a positive thing. I don't think it's anything negative or, oh, you know, someone practicing the dark arts lived here because you wouldn't find clear quartz in a symmetrical grid for that. You might find it in a weird symbolic shape maybe, but not in a nice grid around the whole property. If you want to grid your house, All you do is you you look at a blueprint of your home or just look at your house and you look at what are the four corners of my property. You know, we don't all live on a perfect square, but try to find the four outermost points of your property. And you can just put tumbled or raw stones in those four points to grid it. I have put hematite, black tourmaline, and a St. Benedict metal in all the four corners of my property the St. Saint, the Saint Benedict medal has Latin prayers on it to protect against super bad negativity. Like they're used in exorcisms and stuff like that. So I thought, why not? So the fourth corner of my property is shared with my, my sweet neighbor next door. And when her son was little, he was all into digging, you know, how little boys will do. And her mom and I, his mom and I were outside talking one day and he came up and he was like, Look what could I found? And it was my, hematite, tourmaline, and Benedict <laughs> medal. <laughs> and, of course, it had been there for a couple of years, so it looked old and rusted out. And she was like, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, I don't know, but that looks like a Catholic medal, so I'll take it to my church and see. And I just, you know, because I didn't want to admit that I yeah. had the done that. Because a lot of people, know. like, yeah, like your client thought, what the heck is this? But yeah, so you can do that to grid your home. I also bought a couple of pounds of tumbled rose quartz um, online, and I and I connected the black stones with the tumbled rose quartz. So every couple of inches, I would just you know pop a rose quartz down, so so that that strong, badass protective energy of hematite and black tourmaline would also be gridded with a gentle, loving energy. And, and I just want to say, you can buy stones online if if you go. I use wholesale suppliers now only because I sell stones and I use them all the time in my business, so I want to make sure I'm getting like high-quality stones and the, the best price for high quality. But for personal use, you can totally buy them on eBay. You just want to make sure that you look at the reviews, you look at where they're sourced from. You look at pictures of them, and you want to make sure the prices are right. So you know, look around. A, a pound bag of tumbled rose quartz should be around sixteen to nineteen dollars,
1: mm-hmm. no
0: more. You can find it for less, but if if you're looking at a pound bag of tumbled rose quartz, unless it's Madagascar rose quartz, that's going to be more expensive. But general rose quartz should be 16 to $19 a pound. Same thing for hematite. It's fairly inexpensive. So just know that you can go online and, and buy that yourself. Amazon sometimes has quartz uh, sold by the pound as well. And there's some other great websites out there. But for the big pound bag stones where you're going to just put them in the earth, you don't want to spend a ton of money.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I
0: would recommend eBay or Amazon. But, yeah, it's just a great idea to do for, for gridding your house.
1: So how about if someone is in an apartment? Could you just put it in the four corners of your apartment?
0: Yes, you can if you don't have, you know, cats or little kids. Okay. Um, something else you can do if you're in an apartment, you can, you can put stones on the... Um, like, especially if you have kids or pets, you can put stones on the window, the upper window sills of your home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, can, you can put in them in potted plants in your home. But a great thing I love to do, I have two potted plants on each side of my front door. And you can just get 14 stones, so two of each, that represent the chakras. So two jasper, two carnelian, two citrine. Uh, two green aventurine, two blue chalcedony, two sodalite, two amethyst, and put seven of those stones in the left potted plant in a circle and seven of those seven stones in the right potted plant in a circle. And that will help to grid your house in positive, harmonious energy. Okay. You can also take um, tumbled hematite. I like to get the magnetized hematite tumbled, which you can actually find at most toy stores, believe it or not. They often have them like at the cash registers because kids love to see how the magnets work, but they're just hematite that's been magnetized. And you can put those underneath the lip of your front door. So like if you have a welcome mat, tuck them in under there in a, in a straight line. And, and first hold those stones and say, I am asking that you use your magnetized qualities and your shielding qualities of your hematite to shield my home from any negativity. And then put them under there. And what that does is, whenever anyone negative or nefarious or just in a bad mood walks into your home, the magnetized hematite pulls the negative energy into itself.
1: Hmm. That's good information. So it's
0: just, yeah, it's just a good way to, to further protect your home if you can't do a full gridding. And it, and it works, I'm telling you, especially when my kids were younger and there were always kids coming and going and playing, kids would always find those magnetized hem- hematite under there and they'd pull them and take them. And, you know, I'm never going to say to a six-year-old, you can't have that stone, you know. So I'd say, sure, honey, you can have that. And then I'd forget to replace it. And, you know, negative stuff would happen. Like kids would start fighting or there'd be more temper tantrums or someone wouldn't want to go to bed that night. And I think, I wonder if it's that. No, it couldn't be. But sure enough, I'd get my line of hematite back up and all of that would calm down.
1: Hmm.
0: So if, if anyone's listening to this going, wow, that lady really needs to come on down and ground herself, just try it and, hmm. and see if it works for you. Because I was the same way. I thought, this is the stupidest thing. How can a rock do this? But when I tried it and saw how it really did work, I was sold.
1: And that's excellent, excellent advice as far as if it works for you, it doesn't matter what the hell anyone else says anyway. Or right. what they think. That's it doesn't true. matter.
0: Well, I always think maybe it's just the placebo effect. Like maybe because I think it's working, it works. But then other stuff happens. Like um, for example, I shared this show last week on the other podcast, this story. I have so I have this book called I think it's called Crafting a Magical Life. And it has all these fun, you know, because I love crafting, has all these little fun things you can make to bring more spirituality into your life. Like it teaches you how to make a wishing box and, you know, just fun stuff like that. And so one of the things she talks about is how to make a lucky money amulet. And so I I have taken that, I've adapted it. I think anything you're going to do spiritually or magically or ritually for yourself, you need to adapt it to your own self so that it has your own imprint on it. But all you do is you take a green circle. So you get a, a green sheet of paper and get a big, well, I, I, I think you can just cut a circle out, but I think it's easier just to get a big hole punch at the craft store. And you just cut out a big circle um, about the size of a dollar coin, you know, so, so big, but not huge. And you write your initials and your birth date on one side. And around it, you put any symbols, for financial abundance so like the full moon or Jupiter for good luck or you could look at rune symbols for good luck um, you could look at Torah if there's like the Empress symbol that represents good luck any symbol that represents good luck to you you draw around that on the back on the around your name and your initials on the back you put the infinity symbol the number eight on its side and you can put more symbols around that as well And then you keep it in your wallet to attract abundance to your wallet. So I did this years ago. I thought it was just a fun thing to do. And I didn't think much of it. My finances did improve, but I was also working non-freaking-stop. So I thought, yeah, of course they're going to improve. Well, then I was hit by a ton of extra bills out of nowhere. And I was like, son of a bitch, what's going on? And I look in my wallet, and that little lucky charm Uh, amulet thing had fallen out God only knows where and I was like no surely not so I made another one put it back in my wallet and all the extra bills calmed down so then you know how Denise poor Denise has to listen to me complain all the time about (laughs) everything so (laughs) I called Denise a couple of weeks ago and I was like son of a bitch no matter what I do there's like a thousand dollars of extra expenses every month this summer Remember, like, I had to get new tires, and then my daughter and I both needed new glasses, and then my water bill, like, jumped through the roof because there was a leak in my kid's toilet that they didn't tell me about. So I just had all these expenses coming at me from out of nowhere, and I was like, what is going on? And I looked in my wallet, and at least that little amulet thing was gone. Wow. Yeah. So you made a new one? So, of course, made a new one, (laughs) put it back in there. Things are calming down. Yeah. And I actually, I did made my own instructions for it. And I put it in my little e-course on my website, Manifesting Money Miracles. But you guys don't have to buy that. You can make your own. It's, it's, I really feel it has to be your own imprint, like your own, what, what means money to you? You know, for some, like for some people, I have a friend, a frog symbolizes money to her.
1: Huh. Because
0: she always has that little frog with the coin in it from the, the feng shui. Yeah. So, so like she would draw a frog on her money, her lucky money thing. But anyway, that's my whole long story to say. I don't know if it is always placebo or if this stuff really does work.
1: But it's also think about, it really does it bring work. you peace? Does it bring you a peace of mind? Does it help you refocus your energy in a more positive direction? I think that's a huge part of it, too.
0: I agree. It really it really is. So, do you have any other cool stories from clients?
1: I don't right now, but I'm sure there will always be more because that's the really beautiful part about doing this work is we get to talk to so many amazing people.
0: I know. I love, I love being able to hear from, from people who have said, oh, this really worked, or you told me to ask for this sign, and then this happened, or I asked my dad to play me a song, and the song came on the radio. It was playing at the department store. I was waiting line at the grocery, and it was playing over the speakers there. I love stories like that. You guys can always share stories with us like that. You can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail, or you can message us on Facebook we are at enlightened empaths because we love to hear stories that confirm that all of this magical stuff really is real and not so harry potter as culture and society would make us think
1: yes and we do anything else you want to add i just want to bring up that we do have the advanced mediumship class that will be starting in october And that's for anyone who has taken our previous mediumship courses, the 101. That will be the last class we'll be teaching together for 2019.
0: Yeah, that'll be it. Then we'll tuck in for the winter and and the holiday season. I have told a couple of students, I think I ran this by you, Denise. I hope I did. Because a couple, uh, one student emailed me and said, I studied with John Holland can I jump to your advanced mediumship class? I was like, yeah, I think he passes our (laughs) (laughs) approval. Someone else emailed and said, I spent two weeks at Arthur Finley College. Can I take the advanced mediumship? I was like, yes, that passes for sure. So if you you are a practicing medium or you have studied with, you know, awesome mediums and you just want to jump to our advanced mediumship class, shoot us an email. But 99% of the time, we're going to say, of course, that's that's absolutely fine but I'm excited because everyone who has signed up so far are people that have already taken our classes and they all well they don't all know each other but most of them know each other which is really cool because they all get to reconvene and connect again
1: right and there's they do keep a strong community on the Facebook page that we have the closed Facebook group for anyone who's taken our classes so it's a great way to find like-minded people It really is.
0: Well, we hope you've enjoyed tuning into our little chatty show, and and I just hope it's made you all think about your family and what are some hidden, unique stories that your ancestors, your grandparents, great-aunts and uncles may have that you have yet to discover. It's kind of like a treasure hunt, and so we invite you to go on your own treasure hunt and, and seek some nuggets of knowledge from your family members this week. And, and again, share it with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. We will be bringing you some awesome new shows. We've got our Community Connection show coming up and a wonderful guest coming up soon as well. In the meantime, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone.